I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi there, and welcome to the Explaining History podcast. Um, today I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, Congress of Berlin of 1878 and its significance and meaning and importance in terms of understanding uh, the diplomacy in Europe the, uh, towards the end of the 19th century and really what the contribution of the Congress of Berlin has not towards the stability of Europe, as is commonly believed, uh, but towards a greater destabilisation. Okay, so the Congress of Berlin is a meeting of the great powers um, called in 1878 uh, for a month between June and July by uh, Bismarck, Germany's Chancellor, who is concerned really that events in the Balkans are about to escalate beyond his ability to contain and that Germany will be dragged into a general European war, or that even if Germany isn't, that the general European war will be extremely bad for business and that um, Germany will suffer economically as a result, even if she's on the sidelines. Okay, so a process is unravelling in the Balkans um, throughout the 19th century and the process has really begun uh, in the 18th century and that was really the decline of the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire that in the 17th century had reached um, almost the gates of Vienna um, had progressively declined um, and the hold that the Ottomans have um, over the Balkans particularly has challenged repeatedly throughout the 19th century. The um, inability of the the port, the, um, the Sultan's government in uh, Turkey to uh, meaningfully reform and face this the challenge of modernity um, that is emanating from the dual revolutions in Europe, the uh, political and social revolution of the French Revolution and uh, the economic industrial revolution from Britain, um, these challenges are not really being met by the Ottoman Empire and whilst there are uh, there are, a period of reforms in the mid-19th century called the Tanzimat, um, the real um, fact of the matter is that these are sort of uh, insufficient and don't go far enough and then can be challenged by the Islamic religious establishment within uh, the Ottoman Empire. So the problem that the Ottomans uh, have becomes a wider European problem because 
The decline in the Ottoman Empire leaves a vacuum within the Balkans and two rival powers, the Austrian Empire, or after 1867 the Austro-Hungarian Empire, and uh, the Russian Empire both have designs on influence in the Balkans. Let's talk about Russia first. So, um, throughout the 19th century, a um, culture of a pan-Slavist culture um, had developed within Russia. Um, Pan-Slavism really was the idea that all Slavic peoples were to be united under the same uh, rulership or under a kind of a federation, a commonwealth of, um, uh, of, of Slavs. The northern Slavic peoples, uh, the Russians and their uh, the Ukraine, Russians, Ukrainians, Belarusians, Poles, and the southern Slavs are the people of the Balkans, you know, Serbs and Bulgarians and Montenegrins, um, the um, and Bosnians. The Balkans are a area of particular interest to the Tsars of Russia because this is where the majority of Orthodox peoples live outside the um, the Russian Empire. And the Tsar's position as defender of the Orthodox faith meant that he was defender of the Orthodox faith anywhere in the world. This meant that a Tsar who could not defend the Orthodox faith did not have um, as, the, as comprehensive a public approval as perhaps he, he might like. From 1861 onwards, we see in Russia the beginning of what you might call a revolutionary era, which uh, finally ends, I would argue, in 1928 with the, uh, the cementing of power of Joseph Stalin. That revolutionary period begins with the failed um, or in sort of half-hearted emancipation of Russia's serfs, um, who were emancipated into immense poverty. If you go way back to the start of these podcasts, there's a whole bunch of stuff on Russian peasants. Um, and this um, really means that the Tsar and his autocratic government uh, have increased difficulties throughout the period and there is a temptation to look to overseas glories throughout this time, a temptation to um, move away, to deflect, if you will, um, from Russia's internal problems. What you also have is the development of a, a, the development of a more articulate civil society in Russia, um, the development of a, a small but quite vocal middle class who want a greater role in things, and an urban working class who, by the end of the century, are becoming in increasingly non-deferential. And these factors mean that not only do the Tsars have uh, a more troublesome Russia to try to control, but some of their ministers are aware that the Tsars need to have a more nuanced, a more sophisticated and a more involved um, relationship with the people than simply ruler and ruled. And foreign policy is a very good way to do this. Um, in, it is a, a way of projecting might and power and uh, traditional Russian Slavic Orthodox values overseas in defence of what the Russians see as the little guy, which in the case, uh, in this, in, in the case of um, this period of time are the Bulgarians and the Serbs. The Austrians also have a key um, keen interest in the Balkans. Really, their interest is in stymieing Balkan nationalism. If you think that throughout the 20th, 19th century in Europe, we have uh, kind of a pan-Germanism develop, 
um, which um, re results really in Austria in 1866 being kicked out of the um, Austrian, the, the German um, Confederation and a new North German Confederation uh, emerging with simply Prussia as the dominant power and this idea of the Kleine Deutschland, the Little Deutschland, the uh, Germany without Austria involved um, develops and that's really what the nation-state of Germany evolved into. Then you have uh, a pan-Italianism um, evolved throughout the 20th century which finds its final expression in the development of an Italian nation-state uh, in 1870. There, these, two, um, um, these two developments see uh, Austria robbed of a lot of its influence, both in Germany and in the Italian states. And what Austria doesn't like the idea of is a pan-Slavism then developing in the Balkans, which will further erode um, Austria's uh, sphere of influence in the Western Balkans and also unleash other nationalisms um, within the Austrian Empire. The Austrian Empire is a multi-ethnic empire. It is um, it recognises a, a dual monarchy, the Austrian uh, Emperor and the, uh, monarch, the Kingdom of Hungary. Um, and there are various other nationalities, uh, uh, the you know, Ruthenes, Poles, Czechs, Slovaks, Slovenes, Croats, Italians, and so on and so forth, within the Austrian Empire. And possibly um, the outbreak of um, nearby uh, nationalist tensions would be um, too much and would perhaps send shockwaves of the Austrian Empire, fragmenting it into its tiny component parts, leaving the Austrians themselves as a very small alpine people of no real importance, uh, which is pretty much how Austria winds up at the end of the Second World War. Um, so there are competing interests in the Balkans. Now the Russians become involved in the Balkans um, in 1877, following the uh, the failed um, uprising of Bulgaria against the Ottomans. The uh, Ottomans respond to the uprising with terrific, uh, terrific violence and um, horrendous abuses referred to um, by the Times newspaper as the, the Bulgarian atrocities or the Bulgarian outrages. The, the Times newspaper is really the only, thing, the only newspaper covering this and the, uh, the coverage of the fate of Bulgarian Christians at the hands of Turkish mercenaries called Bashi Bazooks um, scandalises um, London and America as well. Um, horrified, um, the chattering classes of London um, realised that the British Prime Minister, Benjamin Disraeli, is rather happy to support the um, Turks who are perpetrating these atrocities, as is Queen Victoria. The reason why is that the um, Turkish Empire, though weak, is worth propping up because if it goes under... The Russians will be the beneficiaries. The Russians will be able to march further southwards and perhaps even establish themselves in the Mediterranean and threaten the Suez Canal. This, in turn, would threaten the route to India, Britain's vital trade lifeline. And so it's worth propping up one uh, oriental despotism against another in Disraeli's eyes. Gladstone, the leader of the opposition, could not disagree more. He looked at the, as a, a devout uh, Methodist Christian, 
and um, somebody who professed not to have cynical ambitions in foreign policy, and yet uh, when he comes to power after Disraeli, uh, becomes involved in more uh, foreign policy capers than uh, any British Prime Minister of the 19th century, probably. Um, he um, describes uh, the attitude of um, Disraeli's outright cynicism. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And uh, he says this. We should not be supporting the Turks. We should, in fact, wage war on them, if necessary, in order to um, in order to uh, liberate the poor, oppressed um, Bulgarians. Well, no war um, come, is forthcoming from Britain. Um, the policy of supporting the um, the policy of su- um, supporting the Turks tacitly continues. And instead, um, the Russians make war. The Russians march against the Turks. And for the first time in the 19th century, the Russians actually have a real result fighting Turkey. Most of the wars against the Turks in the 18th and 19th centuries are very inconclusive and muddled affairs where the the Russians uh, always manage to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory somehow. Uh, in this instance, in the um, the uh, Russo-Turkish War of 1877 to 88, um, the the Russians actually come close to a long-standing goal of theirs, which is the uh, capture of what they call Constantinople, but what everyone else refers to as Istanbul. Constantinople, of course, is the uh, former capital of Byzantium, the for the wellspring of the of Eastern Christianity or the Orthodox faith. And to many of the Orthodox Tsars of the 19th century, the capture of uh, uh, Constantinople was really um, the, uh, the, the ultimate goal. And it is something that Nicholas II commits himself to during the First World War. And again, the Russians come reasonably close to achieving it, um, but, uh, but not quite. Anyway, so the... Tensions um, between um, 
Austria and Russia are heightened when Russia forces the uh, Turks to sign the Treaty of San Stefano. The Russians believed that very probably they would uh, the Treaty of San Stefano would have to be revised anyway by an, an international conference. So they really go um, for uh, as much as they can get, and they create a large Bulgarian state in the Balkans, um, which stretches all the way to the Adriatic and all the way to the Black Sea, and covers really probably about half of the entire size of the Balkans. So it's a huge, huge state. And in that, they um, de decide that Russia will have a kind of an overall... Um, an overall um, supervising, guiding influence, and the uh, the big Bulgaria will be essentially a Russian satellite state in the Balkans. Uh, the British object to this because they know that this large new Bulgaria will have access to the sea. It'll be a conduit by which the Russians can um, get to the sea. Um, the, they have been unable to use the uh, Black Sea following the treaties at the end of the Crimean War, without risking war with Britain. And now the um, use of um, Bulgaria is a kind of a way of, of getting back into the Black Sea and into the, Medi into the Adriatic and into the Mediterranean. So the British aren't happy, as, and they, they, the British traditionally see the eastern end of the Mediterranean as their sphere of influence. Um, the Austrians particularly are unhappy because they now see that the Russians have made a have um, made a kind of a, a, a coup, if you will, to dominate all the Balkans, and they suspect the Russians will foment uh, nationalist, um, uh, nationalist movements which will undermine them. It's worth mentioning here that from 1875 onwards, um, the League of Three Emperors, the Dry Kaiserbund, uh, between Germany, Austria and uh, Russia um, existed. This was a, um, a, a treaty of friendship between the three nations which essentially helped to isolate France um, and keep, as Bismarck saw it, um, Germany in a stable and safe position, not being surrounded by uh, enemies, which is Bismarck's chief obsession that uh, the uh, Germany may become um, surrounded, may become encircled and may have to fight a war on two fronts. Um, which, unfortunately for Germany, unfolds in 1914. This obsession um, meant that ha having to try to reconcile Austria and Russia together became increasingly difficult. And what Bismarck realises in 1878 is that at, some, at a certain point, the interests of one power will have to come above the interests of another. Um, Obviously, Bismarck doesn't particularly want the British to go to war with either side, because that would perhaps involve Germany in uh, a European war. He particularly doesn't want the Austrians and the Russians to go to war. This is his chief interest. Um, the proposition of a, um, a big Bulgaria is something that the British and the Austrians will not accept. Um, Bismarck and his opposite number from Russia, um, Gorchakov, convince the uh, delegation at the um, Berlin conference um, that um, there is a good reason for having a Bulgarian state in the Balkans that will help to stabilise the Balkans, but what Bismarck can't grant the um, Russians is the size of that state. So instead of a fairly modest Bulgaria, 
uh, is uh, is proposed, um, and the the rest of the um, the Balkan states are given effectively their their independence. Um, so you have now a, a a situation whereby the Russians feel extremely hurt and cheated um, and resentful towards um, the the Congress of Berlin, uh, not just to Germany but to the, the rest of the Congress powers, and see this as a, a terrible insult. Um, Russian public opinion back home is infuriated, and the um, the Austrians are implicated really as as being kind of the villain of the piece in the Russians' eyes. The Austrians have managed to uh, gain uh, a sphere of influence in the western half of the Balkans, particularly over uh, Bosnia um, and Herzegovina. And Serbia also falls into the Austrian sphere of influence as a sort of, um, not as a direct colony, but as a, a state which really um, needs to uh, pay more than lip service to uh, to Vienna. Austria has eyes on um, on Salonika, um, and the uh, Austrian Diet, in fact, actually criticizes Andrassy, the Austrian foreign minister, for re for um, being too ambitious at the Congress of Vienna, for wanting too much, for, for acquiring too much, because many Austrian politicians suspect that the the gains made at um the congress of vienna uh, the congress of berlin big pardon um are um quite dangerous to austria might involve austria in a war later on which is this is where i base my argument um that the congress of berlin is actually quite a a, a dangerous and destabilizing uh, event in europe the Russians know full well that this is uh, only um, a setback in their goal of dominating the Balkans. And there is a belief amongst the Russians that, irrespective of what the Congress says, war will be forthcoming between Austria and Russia at some point in the near future. The British, for their part, they also believe that war is now more likely after the Congress of Berlin than before it. Um, because there is a um, a realisation that by backing the Ottoman Empire, they've backed a state which is destined to continue its decline, to continue crumbling and to continue degrading. And there is um, a continued risk of instability. This, the new nations of the Balkans, Romania, Serbia and Bulgaria, all of whom... Um, see themselves as affiliated to Russia in one way or another due to their kind of um, orthodox and Slavic um, ethnicities. Um, they look, I and mean, particularly the Serbs, look to Russia and are actually quite critical of the Russians and say, well, why didn't you do more? We are now within the Austrian sphere of influence. We had wanted to be in yours, but you really should have actually done a bit more to project your power Towards us to protect us from 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 uh, being, um, you know, um, answerable to to Austria. So the Congress of V um, of Berlin is an event is is called by Bismarck to try to finally stabilize the Balkans, but it doesn't. What it does is it puts the problem of the Balkans off for a couple of decades 
it doesn't resolve the crisis, it simply sets up one for the future. And this is really um, kind of part of the history of the Balkans in a way, um, in that um, the uh, problem of the Balkans is very rarely um, possible, very rarely resolved, and if so, only temporarily. It can be put off, and yet reemerges um, later on. And we see a, a, a in the longer term, um, one of the stabilizing factors in the Balkans in the twentieth century has been communism, and its decline at the end of the twentieth century saw explosions of ethnic cleansing and ethnic violence. Anyway, I um, hope you find that interesting and useful, and um, if you are interested in this subject further, in the next week or two, uh, my new ebook, um, International Relations 1870-1914, A Student's Guide, is going to be ready, and I will be letting you all know about that in the near future. Anyway, thanks very much, and thanks very much for everyone's support. We have hit the 25,000 listener mark as of yesterday, and so in the next week I will be doing one of my famous and extravagant Explaining History giveaways, so stay tuned and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.